the entrepreneurial space offered me the most white space to uh, intentionally and consciously evolve and grow myself. If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. With me is Chris Powell of Talometrics, uh, founder, uh, entrepreneur, he's a business corporate guy. Before that, we're going to go through all that journey and kind of talk to him. How you doing, man? Hey, I am doing well, my friend, Rob. Thanks for having me this afternoon. Oh, you know, thanks for coming. Appreciate having you on. So I, I want to start really with your journey into entrepreneurship, <laughs> and then we'll go over some other paths. But let, 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 let's start there because you were a corporate guy, right? Yeah, for uh, well over 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, working for others, which was a really great ride because it uh, set me up to do what I'm doing now. But uh, actually, this uh, this current journey here at Talmetrics is my second entrepreneurial journey. Uh, the first one I tried to do, my first entrepreneurial journey was started when I was trying to do being an entrepreneur part-time. That didn't work out too well. Uh, what I learned is you got to be committed. And uh, being a part-time entrepreneur was a little hard to do, plus keep a, a regular uh, high-demanding job. But my first experience was actually um, starting a uh, real estate uh, development firm with my brother and his wife um, in Chicago back in the 90s where we were redeveloping uh, residential and commercial uh, spaces on the south side of Chicago. So that was my first foray, which was fascinating if you know anything about Chicago and trying to get things done. Really interesting. I'm sure. uh, uh, Lesson on how to um, make progress uh, amongst, uh, amidst um, some challenges. But um, Well, pull me me through that experience. I'm curious because one of the questions I like to ask, Chris, is a time when you failed you know, people don't like the word failure, but whatever you want to call it, setbacks, learning lessons, and what you learned from that moment and how that might have helped you in your entrepreneurial journey. So uh, if you want to speak to that moment or speak to another, no, I'd love no. to hear it. No, no, happy to. I mean, that business got started out of a passion and a commitment um, to redeveloping the communities in which we lived in at that time. And uh, what was fascinating about it, my brother and I are neither from Chicago, but his wife was at the time. Right. And so we were transplants to Chicago and uh, it found it as an opportunity to give back to the community. So it was the, the first venture was started out of commitment to community and purpose. Right. Uh, but then what you realize in trying to secure capital and funding and um, permits and permission to do certain things, you know, it's not as straightforward and linear as sure. you, you think it is. And, you know, Chicago, for all the greatness that it has, it's, yeah. a big, it's a big city with big city problems and challenges and obstacles that come into that. And so we quickly learned that, uh, at least uh, I, I know I did, that uh, not only do you need to have business acumen, but you also need to know how to navigate the uh, politics and government and policy uh, space. And so, um, yeah, to be a politician and an entrepreneur. Yeah, all at the same time. <laughs> all at the same time. Yep. And, and quite honestly, I'll be honest with you, my brother and uh, family were far more skilled at that than I was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I exited and told them, I said, hey, you guys going to have this is more than I've, I've got the fortitude at this particular point while I still right. had a, a very demanding job. 
So you were um, develop you were you were you were essentially being a developer, right? Basically, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a tough job to do. Part like because you can do, I think, some entrepreneurial things and, and kind of build your way into it. Mm-hmm. I think there are there are certain businesses. Uh, one I can tell you is running a restaurant, which my mother did. Uh, I I learned a lesson, lots of lessons there. I will never, ever, <laughs> ever run a restaurant ever. It's not something I'm ever going to do ever, ever, ever. And I and I respect, <laughs> I respect people that do that, but I under that that to me is one of the hardest ways to make money. I also think construction is one of those because it's a business. You can do some parts of it that you can automate, but you can't really automate being a developer. Like you gotta, no. which, which makes it hard to do kind of these, which is, we'll get more into you, what you do now, but like it, it makes it hard to do scalable things in a way that is not uh, labor intensive of your time or hiring people to do to do it. I mean, Rob, you hit on it, right? Because, you know, the other lesson for me and my brother um, um, is still in the development business in Chicago. And this so he is likes now, it still. He's a, good for him. So he's uh, 30 years into it and thriving and doing well. So I get to say my brother is a developer in Chicago. But um, I, I think you just hit on something. I mean, as a developer, it's like you're, you're managing relationships on so many different dimensions. Uh, with the local government and aldermans in Chicago and all of the other agencies that you have to work through, um, community organizations, uh, the neighborhood itself, as well as your suppliers and your contractors. And let, we haven't even talked about your client and your investor yet. So there was just that many, and to your point, that's a very hard job to do on a part-time basis because it's so steeped in having developing relationships and having relationship capital that you can trade on at certain times to get things done. Right. right? Mm-hmm. But I, I am proud of you that the fact that you were able to have a setback, a failure, whatever, and then step back into it. Uh, you know, cause, cause this is what I tell people. If, if, if you, if you are, if you're afraid of, of failing, you're destined to failure. Like it's going to, you can't be afraid of failing. That can't be your reason for not doing something that you're going to fail. So the fact that you did step back out again, because you went back into corporate, you went, how, how long did you go back into corporate life? <laughs> so that was early nineties. So, okay. uh, oh, I just dated myself. Dang. That's all right, man. That's all right. Um, so that was early nineties. So I went back, I was, I stayed in the corporate arena for another 22, 23 years. And um, worked for organizations like uh, my alma mater, Northwestern University, uh, Deloitte, um, uh, Marriott um, International in the hotel industry, ING and Voya in the financial services industry. And my last tour of duty inside corporate America was with um, Scripps Networks Interactive, uh, which was headquartered both in Cincinnati and Knoxville at that time. And my last tour of duty, I had left as the corporate head of HR and diversity for uh, Scripps Networks. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Learned a ton, right? So these are massive organizations like Marriott and uh, ING with thousands of, of employees globally to working at Scripps at the time when I left um, only had 2,500 employees globally, but was a two and a half billion dollar enterprise. So, um, you know, lots and lots of experience there. Right. <clears throat> From that perspective. So you're in this corporate environment for 25 plus years You've been, you've had a taste of the startup founder life a little bit. 
Tell me about this transition from corporate to, okay, I want to go back out and give it a try. Obviously, this is much different than uh, construction and development, but it's still a start. It's still, you're still starting something new Mm -hmm. and you have to, you know, work, walk me through how you navigate that process going from a life that was not that you can predict, uh, say anything is certain because you can lose your job anytime with the corporation, no matter how high up you are. But you had a fairly predictable, uh, you know, schedule, salary, (laughs) everything else. Um, Right. You go from that to wanting to do this. Like, how did that transition go and how did you have to shift in your mindset during in, in your mindset during that transition? Yeah, it was really interesting, Rob. I was wrapping up my uh, tour duty, as I call it, at Scripps um, with the thought that, hey, I really need to think about, all right, what does Chris need to continue? You know, I was early 40s, you know, uh, had gotten to the pinnacle of the C-suite and all of the bells and whistles that come with that. And I I was really starting to ask myself, all right, one, I I won't quite call it a midlife crisis at that point, but I was starting to ask myself some real questions. All right, what do I really get excited about? What drives me? What motivates me? What am I curious about? Right. Sure. Um, And I was debating, do I stay inside and take another big C-suite job at another organization or uh, or do I go out and do something unique and different? Um, I had thought about going to work for nonprofits and taking all of that corporate experience to the nonprofit world. And I explored that. And then um, I, I, so I had three options. So let me back up. So as I was thinking about my next move, I could have gone back into another corporate role and rinsed and repeated what I'd done. And I would have learned some stuff, I'm sure. Or I could have applied all of that mass of knowledge and still runway, as I call it, and applied it to the nonprofit world. <clears throat> Or I could go do something entrepreneurial. And as I kind of went through all of those, the entrepreneurial space offered me the most white space to uh, intentionally and consciously evolve and grow myself and develop myself. Right. And and then it came down to the whole thing about, all right, so what are you going to go do? And so then that's when I said, wait a minute, I've been in this whole HR talent, diversity, leadership space for over 25 years. I know a lot about it, but I'm still curious about it because the one thing I can tell you about uh, uh, life, people are always evolving and there's always something to learn. And so uh, I said, probably I should find some entrepreneurial endeavor that I get to leverage all of that experience and still leverage my my whole desire around um, uh, uh, committing to innovation and growth. And so, ironically, I call this time when I'm you know considering all three of these different options. I I did I wasn't I was just sitting on the sideline after I left Scripps. I knew I wanted to take a little time off before I started my next. So I called it my Eat Pray Love tour. All right, and um, you know spent time in Bali. I traveled Canada from coast to coast. I was in Europe for a while. Went to, I was all over the place. So, uh, but one of the things that happened while I was out, you know, seeing the world, I got a call from a guy who I met um, along my journey who said, hey, I just developed some new technology and um, I want to see if I could sell it to you as scripts to be one of our pilot customers. And I said, I wish I would. I could, but I'm not at Scripps anymore. But what are you up to? So he introduces me to what he's up to. And then I said, hey, man, I'm just sitting on the sideline. I'd be happy to give you some of my uh, time and thoughts to help you think about how to grow and develop your business. 
like a good entrepreneur, he took me up on it because I was free labor at that time. Yeah, yeah I would too. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, and so uh, he got me involved in helping him think through the business. And then um, he said, hey, I'm raising some money, I'm raising some capital to fund this thing. Are you interested in being an investor? I said, man, yeah, sure. Because I, I understand the thing that you're trying to do around improving employee engagement and commitment and retention, that's stuff I know. Right. And so I started to start to see this opportunity like, wait, I can bring all of that 25 plus years of experience to this infant, this infant thing called uh, this business I run now, Talmetrics, and really um, uh, invest not only my money, but my time and my knowledge and my experience and my network. Right. And so. Here we are, my friends, seven years later. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. No, I was going to you, you answered a lot of my questions to get how you went from to take your knowledge and to apply it to a, a, a SaaS software as a service type of concept. But essentially, it was from a network contact you had and, 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 and the right opportunity just connecting I've, I found that happens a lot. And, and I, I think we tell people on the journey why it's so important to have in, to do intentional networking it continually build relationships because you just don't know, like, and you and don't necessarily build them for the transaction, like, because this person can do X, Y, Z for me. That that can be a part of it, but that shouldn't be your rooted uh, in what you in what you do. That shouldn't be rooted in your only path because you never know because you can't tell what somebody's going to be able to do with you or for you. And so it's better just to go in and build the relationship. I mean, because you had no idea, right, that this person that ended up that you ended up connecting with, that you would be able to do something with this person in a way that has led to what you had now. Yeah, this was purely me being, uh, you know, supportive of other entrepreneurs and people who are trying to do things out there positively. Just me being me, you know, like, hey, let me help in any way I can. And little did I know uh, that I would uh, he would ask me one to come on as uh, CEO and partner. Uh, but then eventually they become the majority owner and shareholder in this thing as well. So uh, here we are. You know, so I always say, um, you know, the the seed that got us started um, is uh, has been has been, you know, cultivating, curated over these seven years to be where we are today. So that myself that in itself has been an incredible journey. Um, for me um, on all levels, mentally, physical, spiritually, around truly being able to kind of tap into uh, faith and belief and uh, just pure resolve just to kind of stick with it, right? Yeah. I think, you know, your your journey matches like Warren Buffett's philosophy on investing. His philosophy on investing is, right, invest in something that you understand, Right. Because there's a lot of things he did. He passed up on a lot of investments that could have made a lot of money. But he but um, but he also passed up a lot of investments that he would have lost a lot of money because he didn't understand or that wasn't rooted in what he did. So I, I really find your story, the fact that, you know, this area, understand this area. And that's a good lesson for folks to say, if you're if you're a founder and you're looking to figure out or you're, you're looking to get into this area and do, and do entrepreneurship, it should be rooted in something that two things you understand and that you have passion for. Right. So if you take that, the, and I, I might mess this up, Rob, so you might get it better than I am. The whole thing about like a Michael Jordan, 10,000 hours. I had more than 10,000 <laughs> yeah. hours in understanding um, this space. Oh, Malcolm Gladwell, I think, says something about 10,000 yeah, hours. Yeah, 10,000 hours to become an expert and something. And yep. become an expert. So I had, trust me, 
far more than 10,000 hours of understanding the core aspects of what we do, uh, what we do today in terms of helping organizations understand how to use data to improve the employee experience, culture, diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, manager effectiveness. I had that, right? And so now the learning for me became in, all right, how do you develop um, software and technology to support that? How do you build a, a go-to-market plan to market and sell that? How do you build the operations plan to um, support and exceed your customers' expectations and drive renewals and all of that stuff? How do you build a network of partners and vendors? Because it's you know it's more than the, the yeah. core team I got here that makes this thing go every day, right?